It wasn't planned and it wasn't set up. It was spontaneous and it was organic and it just happened. It came from nowhere and we made this, you know, really wonderful image of her. Hello and welcome back to Limited Perspective. I'm your host, Larry Ford. In this episode, I'm hanging out with photographer and artist Ian McFarlane. He's been at it for about 30 years. We talk about the days before digital and the difference between making art and creating commercial images for a client. But there's so much more, so you have to listen. We are joined by his dog, Daisy, who for most of the hour was a very good girl. This was time well spent. I think you'll get into it. Here you go. Ian, thank you so much for uh, letting me come to your home and studio. Sure. Um... You've lived in Athens uh, about as long as I have, I think, from reading your bio. Uh, I think my... I think I cheated a little bit on it. You did? Yeah, I got here in 90. In 90? So, wow, that's going on 28 years. Ah, then that is... That's longer than me. I came came in in 1995 or 96. Okay. That's when I became the uh, resident that I am today. I had visited with my brother going to college and stuff, but um, I think I saw one of your first shows, correct me if I'm wrong, but remember when Mercury had a gallery downtown, which was a great thing. I wish it had stayed downtown. Yeah, that was a good time. That was a really good just period in art in Athens. Yeah. There was a lot of really good energy and a lot of really good just momentum. Mm Mm-hmm. And then Chris... Oh, Wyrick. Wyrick, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, um... Mm-hmm. Is it best if I speak that? No, it's good. You just talk how you want. Yeah. It'll record he, you. He had started that gallery, and, and, oh, yeah, the openings were fun, and people were... It was a great location downtown, but, you know, like a lot of things in Athens, it just couldn't sustain itself. Yeah. There was no... And so it faded away. It's a heartbreaking. I mean, they got a good space over it. I get. I don't even know if I've actually been there over at Chase Street Warehouse. They've got yeah. some sort of thing. They own a whole bunch of spaces that they rent oh. to studios. So oh. they rent studio spaces I see. for artists. I see. I don't I think see. they have a showing space. I got you. I think that was more of the Athica mm-hmm. down, mm-hmm. The, down the sidewalk at Chase Street Warehouse. Okay. So, okay. yeah. But, you know, that was a, a show-made impression on me. I, I think it was partly because it was... Well, it's the mystique of black and white, but it was also because it was a naked women. Yeah, a lot of, <laughs> lot of figurative nudes in it. Um, done over a couple of years of time, I guess. Mm-hmm. I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff then, yeah. Was it, uh, had you gone digital yet, or was that still... Oh, no. Yeah? I don't remember when the Mercury show was, the date, actually. Yeah. I have to kind of trace that back in my head. Um, 96. I was now five ninety six. I mean, when you first got mm-hmm. here, you think? No, I had to be two thousand maybe. I don't oh, know. two thousand, yeah, maybe, yeah, something like that. Let me think. Yeah, it was two thousand two, two thousand three, because I had a series of images I now remember in the show called Skirt. It's uh-huh. called Skirt, and it was these women in white, this white skirt, uh-huh. and um, white cloth, just cotton skirt. It was just. They all had the same one. And I used, well, I used the same skirt, uh-huh. and I took it with me everywhere, and I, models wore it, and it was more of a hook, uh-huh. you know, like put this on, and that's all they had on, uh-huh. and so it was the figurative work with just oh. the skirt on, and so I remember that shot being in the show, and that I didn't do those 
I didn't do those images till like 2002. Okay. 2003. Okay. That sounds. I started good. in 2001, probably. Yeah, yeah. And um, but yeah. Okay. Because so, I've been in town a while bef- before Mercury opened. And I yeah, I don't that. remember. Yeah. It's all blur. It's a blur. Yeah, <laughs> totally. And Athens has changed so much since since then. Yes. Some for the better, and some, and then some of the more charming buildings are got changed. You know, I guess I'm kind of old, old fashioned. I like things the way they were. Right. When I first came, I don't know. So, uh, what was it like growing up in Jacksonville, Florida? Jacksonville was. I mean, that's an early, early part of my life. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think I, I, I don't. Really oh, that's before high school. Yes. Yeah. That okay. was when I was. You very young, mm-hmm. uh, you know, basically two two years old till when I was fifteen, fourteen, okay. fourteen, fifteen years old. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was a, it was an adventure. It was Florida. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but yeah. in the nineteen seventies. Yeah, that's which which you know, well, early seventies and early eighties. Mm-hmm. So it was like the wild west, I guess, wow. in a way. It's like I had a pretty crazy childhood. Yeah, yeah, Getting and not crazy. Not crazy and like, just you know, unconventional. Mm-hmm. You know, living in different homes and 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 just uh, kind of free range childhood. Just did whatever I want, whenever I wanted. Really? Yeah, there wasn't much structure. Was it because you were the youngest, or mom and dad just weren't paying mom attention? Mom and dad were divorced when I was four. Okay. And so it was mom trying to raise three kids, and okay. she just kind of. Um, did the best she could. Couldn't keep up. Yeah, and it was different time. I mean, we all, yeah. you know, you were, you probably remember, you know, you just rode your bike and went somewhere you all just day. Went places, yeah. And then you came back when it got dark. Well, that's true. We went in. We there was no phones. There was no. <laughs> there was nothing. You just true. disappeared, and you were told to get back that's before true. the sun went down. As kids, we were. We had uh, cemetery-owned property behind our house, and they hadn't taken the woods down yet, so it was woods. So we yeah. spent. A lot of time roaming around. Where was that? This was uh, outside of Atlanta in Sandy Springs, okay. Sandy Springs neighborhood. Yeah, so that's yeah, that's true. We get on the bike. You just disappeared all day. Yeah, went yeah. to your friend's house, and and I lived close to the water. Um, my mom kind of always wanted us to be near the water, mm-hmm. and in Florida, that's not hard. Right. And so right. the first like ten years, mm-hmm. um, we lived on the St. Johns River. Mm-hmm. Right near it, if not on it, and that's the one of the largest rivers in Florida. It's this massive river ah. that runs like the whole length of part of the Upper North Florida. And it's massive. Like some parts of the river can be a few hundred yards across, mm-hmm. and then there's some parts that are a mile across. Oh, and shit. so it's a very it's well known, and um, and so I was just out running around in the river all the time. Mm-hmm. And by the time I was, you know, eleven or twelve, I had my own little paddle boat. Uh-huh. A little flat bottom bass boat, and I was out paddling out in the river by myself, like a you amazing. Know, just disappear all day and hopefully not die. Right, and, and that's and when you're a kid, you're not worried about. You know, you're not going to die as a child. You just but right. You're so that's that's what makes it kind of magical is that you're fearless. And this is a whole lot of fun. And sometimes you do get scared. I, yeah. I have memories oh, of being okay. pretty scared at some yeah. points. Like, I, I went a little too far. Uh-huh. I better turn around. Or okay. I shouldn't have gone that, that direction. Yeah. Or that boat, that bigger boat came through and almost oh, swamped wow. me. Amazing. And tipped me over. And I don't even think I had a life vest in the boat at that period. It was just uh-huh. that. It looks, yeah, it sounds like you were, so you learned 
risk management very early. This is how far I can go before <laughs> I think I might die. Exactly. So um, if you were a different kid, you might have been, you know, we might not be talking today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then there, I have memories of like, um, we used to sneak onto this property of this older gentleman and he had a, a wooden dock mm-hmm. that would go really far out into the river. Some docks were short, you know, I'd say maybe 20 feet, 30 feet long. And then some people had these long docks uh-huh. that would go 200, 300 feet out. Yeah. So they would fish, you know, do stuff out oh, there. Oh, that's the purpose of having them go out I don't far? know if it's to fish. I don't remember the purpose. Mm-hmm. I just know it might have been a... People who had money had longer docks. Okay. Because they could afford <laughs> they it. They could afford it. And the really, really people with a lot of money, they had the longer dock with the little house on the end of the dock. Oh, man. Like, like more like a little shack. Yeah, And yeah. so they would, you could go um, fishing at night okay. or, or, you know, whatever. All right. Um, but we would run out to the end of his dock. We would sneak onto his property, run out to the end of the dock, and jump into the river. Oh, my God. And we would actually swim with manatees. Wow. And it was not a weird thing to be in the water with a huge, you know, oh, that sounds like wild a manatee experience. at 10 years old. That is um, amazing. And then he would come out of his house uh-huh. just like a sitcom. Get off my, pro- Get off my property. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and so you, you couldn't get to his, you couldn't, you were so far out in the river on mm-hmm. the end of his dock, you couldn't yeah. swim at an angle to the shoreline. It wasn't. Possible. It was. Uh-huh. It would be a for a child. It would have been yeah. you know at the maybe a football field of swimming. Uh-huh. So we would have to get back on the dock and run uh-huh. pa- past him. Past him. Right. And hopefully he didn't try to grab us. No. Yeah. He just wanted to get off the property. Right. Get off my dock, you crazy kids. <laughs> he didn't want to be liable yeah. for some drowned. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So that was oh. that was kind of like. You know, little adventures like yeah. that were fun. Like, I have I like some really story. good memories of, like, crazy little adventures. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it, it was different. And then we moved inland closer to the beach when mm-hmm. I was a little older. Mm-hmm. And then we lived on the intercoastal waterway. That was in my backyard for mm-hmm. a few years. Wait, what is that? So that's a little channel of water that goes all the way to Maine. It's an actual physical small channel of water from Florida. From to Florida, Maine. goes all the way to Maine, wow. um, to North New York. I'm not sure exactly uh-huh. how far it goes. It, it opens up into large bodies of water mm-hmm. at times, and then it goes back into the small canals. But it used to be for like barges to take probably for shipping. Or exactly. So you never had to go out into the main ocean, uh-huh. out into the into the uh, into yeah into the the, 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 right, the wild the sea. wild Atlantic Ocean. Yeah. Um, and so we lived on that for a few years, mm-hmm. and I, had, I, I, I used to con, uh, paddle up and down that ah. and, and, and see uh, the yachts, the huge yachts that would come down, and I used to make a game out of it of where they were from because they would mm-hmm. go past you, and you'd see the title of the boat, mm-hmm. and then you'd see where the boat's from. Uh-huh. So you would see boats from Connecticut and New Jersey wow. and upstate New York. Oh, my and, gosh. And, um, yeah, they're all coming down to Florida for the winter. Yeah, but yeah. And they're massive yachts. I mean, Jesus. I mean, I saw one yacht. I think the biggest yacht I ever saw had a car on the back, <laughs> like they had their own car on the back. Yeah, know? and they get where they're going, and then you go for a drive. Yeah, yeah the crane takes it off, and then oh you God. have your car at your at the whatever. But so then, um, long story, but we lived near the beach, uh-huh. and then I became kind of a beach rat, uh-huh. and. I started surfing when I was probably 10, 
Uh-huh. And then uh-huh. I surfed up until maybe like my late to mid twenties. Okay. So surfing was a did you, did you get pretty good at it? Was that? I was never really that good at. It. Here's yeah. the funny part was, uh-huh. um, I had bad eyes. Oh. And I wore glasses. I started. I wore. I got glasses when I was probably in about third or fourth grade. Uh huh. Okay. And so you could. And so and I couldn't get. I couldn't. I never understood why I was so bad at surfing. Uh huh. <laughs> um, I wasn't horrible, mm-hmm. but I just was never as good as I wanted to be. Right. Right. And the problem was, all my friends could catch the waves better than I could. I just was catching like one out of every, say uh-huh. five, mm-hmm. and my friends were catching three out of five, and mm-hmm. I couldn't ever figure out why. Because they could um, see. They could that... see. <laughs> they could see the depth. I could never see the wave until it was right on top of me because uh-huh. I have really bad eyes. Okay. And um, not until later, when I was in um, high school, uh-huh. did I get contacts. Ah. And then when I would go to the beach, when I go home to Florida. Uh-huh. My surfing got way better uh, because I could see the waves see coming. coming I, I could judge the distance between me and the wave and to figure out Jeez. how to paddle, which mm-hmm. at what speed to paddle to drop in. Yeah, I've had really bad eyes my whole life. Jeez, a miracle. Isn't that funny? <laughs> I was really good, but I couldn't see the damn wave. Oh, man. I got to Atlanta when uh-huh. I was in high school, ninth grade. Okay. I moved to Atlanta and left the whole Florida thing behind me. I've never been back. Ah. Wow. Just a visit. Yeah, just a visit. What, yeah. what part of Atlanta are you guys in? Um, my father lived in Marietta. Ah. Up in North Atlanta. Yeah, so that's a general place for yeah. part of my children. Went, went straight from like swamp kid, like straight out of the swamps and river, river rat yeah. kid, straight into suburbia. Yeah. Like I had no idea what suburbia was. Uh-huh. I didn't even yeah, know. Yeah, now you do. Right, yeah. They they used to say you live at the end of the coal sack, and I literally didn't know what a coal sack was. Yeah, (laughs) I was like, I don't know what that is. What is it? Comment on black and white photography versus color. I I think for me, black and white ends up with it gives a it's like a time it's a timeless poem, you know, that's become something else now that color has been an option, you know. And I notice your art projects are mostly black and white, and then then your commercial stuff is is in color. Yeah. What, I don't know. What is that? Where do you think? Do you have a comment on it, or you know? Why I think? like black and white. Yeah. There you go. Hmm. I think just I always was drawn to it from mm-hmm. an early age. You know. Um. I like color photography. I still like color photography. Yeah. It just when I'm taking pictures for myself and when I'm creating something for myself, I just think that they always say that, you know black and black and white can is more timeless. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure what that exactly means. I'm sure people have written books on that, yeah. but I I don't have an answer for that. But there's something about it that um, transcends the, the the moment or the now. Mm-hmm. Um, also, a lot of my photographs, I don't. I try to keep a lot of elements out of the background that date them mm-hmm. on purpose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. someone, so it doesn't feel like. Sometimes I take a picture, and some people think it was could be taken a long time ago, or it could be, mm-hmm. you know, because I don't have a yeah know, a Wendy's yeah, yeah, yeah. sign in the background, right, exactly. so it doesn't it doesn't date it. Mm-hmm. You know? But the black and white just, you know, I was always drawn to black and white from the masters, mm-hmm. like. Cartier-Bresson, 
and uh, Alfred Stieglitz and yeah, yeah. Um, uh, Paul Strand. Mm-hmm. So some of these, those were like my influences of when I was in college and I was flipping through the books to absorb what was out there and what, mm-hmm. what you know, photography was about. I was seeing all these images of what they call, you know, the masters, the people who started photography in the mm-hmm. late 1800s and the early 1900s. I was just drawn to the, that's what I looked yeah. at. I didn't look at color stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, there really wasn't good color stuff till later on. Yeah. Till, I don't even, couldn't even tell you when the first color photographs are. I'm not a historian in that sense. No. Maybe the 50s, 40s mm-hmm. and the 50s. Well, that Kodachrome came in, and yeah. I was never drawn to that. I mm-hmm. never cared about shooting uh-huh. color slide uh-huh. film and ectochrome and Kodachrome. Yeah. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> I don't care. I feel like, I mean, the few little projects I've done lately, I, the way I think of it is that the color almost adds too much distraction, you know. Like, I mean, I guess that's why in, in, in films they choose the color scheme and they paint walls, you know, to... Yeah. To create the perfect uh, environment. But I like, for me, when I just, like, sometimes I film this podcast in a room full of, there's a lot of color and, you know, yeah, activity, it, mental uh, or visual activity. Visual, yeah, visual and it, stimuli. And, yeah. And, you know, it can be, it, a good color f- g- f- photograph is, can be amazing. I mean, yeah. d- don't get me wrong. Like, I'll look at sometimes a good color photograph, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's a simple thing, a landscape mm-hmm. or uh, a still life in the sense of uh, not still life but a moment in time mm-hmm. and yeah I'm, I'm like wow that guy is good at that mm-hmm. he's not he might not be good at the other thing mm-hmm. his brain's not firing on those on that level to shoot this kind of black and white image but his brain is firing to see the colors and the compositions and the complexity of it all yeah um, and I just didn't develop that I didn't mm-hmm. see color like mm-hmm. a lot of times I can actually look at photographs. I can be shooting, and I'll see a, a person in their outfit and the background and the things, and I'll already be transferring that completely into black and white in uh, my head. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so I know what colors will be shifted. Yeah. That'll be a gray. That'll be a light gray. That'll be a nice dark gray. That'll be a dark, dark, dark black gray. Okay. And so, so you can make that judgment like looking at the color, looking at a red shirt. Right. You can make a call on, on what level... Great. Where it's going to go in the yeah. tonal range, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, because I obviously had to shoot mm-hmm. in the early days of all film, I had to shoot everything looking through the viewfinder mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. color. Yeah, yeah. And not right. knowing what it was going to look That's like right. until right. I got into the dark room and I developed yeah. the negatives. I hand developed all my negatives for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I hand printed everything right. in black and white for all 20 years. Yeah, that's commitment. I it just, I mean, I had. Photography in art school, never got good at it. But the idea of going it, of loading the film up and doing all the, you know, the getting all the chemicals, getting it all right, and and then you know, printing a, it. Yeah, then printing. That's a lot. That's a lot of time in the lab. A lot. Of yeah, and I love that. I mean, that yeah. was one of my draw. I think to the black okay. and white was uh-huh. that I would finish the shoot, and I would just be so excited to get into there, and uh-huh. get it in the can and to do the chemistry and then uh-huh. pull it out and see if it's there mm-hmm. pull it up to the light box while it's still wet and mm-hmm. say is it there is mm-hmm. it what i thought i saw at that moment in which i was yeah, shooting yeah. did i did i see it and did i feel it mm-hmm. and now is it translating to actual image mm-hmm. that i thought and felt 
It could have been two hours mm-hmm. before. It could have been two days before, mm-hmm. depending on how soon I could get into the dark room. Mm-hmm. There were days where I literally went straight from the shoot straight to the dark room. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I got to see this before I go to bed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then I sometimes I could look at the negative and be satisfied and say, okay, I'll work on that tomorrow or the mm-hmm. next day. And there was a few small instances where I could actually say that I went all the way to the print that day. Mm-hmm. I put it in the dryer. I dried the negatives. I came back an you know, hour later. I cut them. Uh-huh. I went into the dark room. I set up the chemicals, and I had to print it that uh-huh. night before I went to bed Amazing. because I needed to see it. Amazing. Obviously, now it's different. <laughs> I see it instantaneously yeah, on the back yeah. of my camera. Um, yeah, that's, a, um, that's an upgrade. And so well, that, was, that, was mm-hmm. a, that was a huge, like, adrenaline rush yeah. to go through all those stages to yeah. get to that final magical moment of watching the image come yeah. up through the chemistry and you were like wow there it is yeah yeah um, stages that all have to be done uh, properly without you know screwing up right <laughs> yeah. don't so, don't so open the can in. before the light <laughs> you know you don't ruin your negatives oh shit nobody turn the light on in the room while you're working yeah, yeah. i mean it was did you have your own uh, dark room or yeah yeah okay yeah once i got out of college mm-hmm. i I always had my own dark room. For about 15 years, I, I either had one in the place I was living or I rented a space and me and a few other fellow photographers uh-huh. would share a dark room because we all couldn't afford our own. Okay. Um, so it was a rental kind of thing. But yeah, I always had a dark room because, I mean, I was making a living at photography. Mm-hmm. And so part of my living was to give the black and white prints to the client. Uh-huh. So I would have to shoot it, develop it, and print uh-huh. it. I shot entire weddings for years and had to hand process every roll of wedding oh. images and then hand print every black and white print Damn. for them. Um, That's good. So there was a lot of that for years and years and years. That's. Yeah, I don't want to go back to No, it. I don't Yeah, I don't want you to go back to that either. Yeah. <laughs> that's, pay, that's paying your dues, though, as a photographer. That's not... That's like... You exhausted me just by describing that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, there was also, I mean, just one last little... Yeah. yeah, I mean, there's there's other photographers will probably hopefully say this as well, but there's a really nice meditative state, like mm-hmm. a I would say like a painter who goes mm-hmm. into their studio and shuts out the world and turns on their music and paints yeah. for hours, and they're yeah. immersed in this. Well, the dark room was that for me because the outside world of while you're shooting is you're interacting with the mm-hmm. world and you have to interact with your subjects, you have to interact with everything around you, mm-hmm. and, and and create that that shot. And then when you get into the dark room, you literally are in this black box uh-huh. in the dark. Yeah, yeah. And you just put on your music, uh-huh. and time doesn't exist. Suddenly you are in there for three hours, and you don't uh, even know it. Four hours go by, five hours go by. Yeah, I can, and I can I hear you. you just, there's a really, there was a real peacefulness to it in there. Yeah, and it's a, self, uh, it's a, it's a self-imposed solitude, and it, and it does technically... Has to happen that way, also. So you, there's no like, there's no getting out of it. No getting out of it. You, and now yeah. it is. Now yeah. technically, I don't have to do that anymore. Right. Now it's sit you at the check Facebook, sit at the cafe, <laughs> yeah. yeah, and work yeah. on images. That's true. Yeah. And so I do miss that aspect mm-hmm. of it, of that, of that quiet, mm-hmm. uh, very zen time alone mm-hmm. in the dark. Yeah. Um, but anyway, get some water while you. Yeah, yeah. Some water. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Thanks. Oh, these are nice glasses. Um, let's see. So I saw some of your advertising work. Um, it, you know, I don't know why it never occurred to me that local businesses don't, you know, hire 
I saw you work for the for the Golden Pantry for the uh, yeah. for the uh, university. What's it like doing a commercial job? You know, pleasing the client, and what's what all does that entail? You know, because I mean, I, I mean, it's running a business, yeah, just like yeah. anybody running a business. I mean, yeah. you have a you have a client. They ask you to do something. You sit down with them. You decide if it's something that you can do. Yeah. Um, and then cost if they have a budget, if mm-hmm. they can afford it, or if they can't afford it. And then to see if, you know, if creatively you're on the same page. Mm-hmm. A lot of time the clients don't know what they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they're actually hiring you to be more of just, I mean, depending on what level you're at. If you're working mm-hmm. on a higher level of commercial shoots, then yeah. you have a photographer, an art director, uh, the marketing agent, yeah. the 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 client themselves sometimes the client has a has their own art department and you're dealing with that person so there's a lot of people mm-hmm. involved mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. do something that doesn't really happen as much obviously in Athens Atlanta shoots I'll have a little bit more of that where I'm dealing with you know clients where they're literally seeing the images as I'm shooting them and giving me direction on how they like it oh, and what they don't want uh, okay. what they do want mm-hmm. but a lot of times they look at your portfolio they like it, and then they just hopefully trust you to create something yeah. that's going to work for them. Uh-huh. So you, in the smaller cases, you become the creative director and the photographer. Absolutely. Yeah. And sometimes I do a lot of work with a company in town, Captivate Marketing. I mm-hmm. shoot for them a lot. So they'll, find, they'll be like creating a website for a new client, like say okay. the Golden Pantry. Mm-hmm. They were the ones creating the, the new website, and they needed quality images. Okay. And they trust me to make good images. And so mm-hmm. we had discussions uh-huh. with them about what they wanted, how they wanted it. Mm-hmm. We, we, uh, you write up a shot list and you, you say, okay, you need this amount of shots done. We need this, this kind of shot. You, you basically describe the shots that you want. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I usually let them know if that's possible in the time frame that they're asking me to do it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we talk about budget if, if they can afford it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's it's yeah it's just like running any business and then yeah. you deliver the product and you go you like it you like it I hope you like it I hope you like it because <laughs> this is what you're getting um, <laughs> yeah and it's you know just it's stressful I mean yeah. it's like anything mm-hmm. and work people think that it's all fun and games taking pictures but it's like any business right um, my personal work that's where my heart is mm-hmm. and that has no monetary value connected to it in other words no one's paying me to do it mm-hmm. I'm not paying the people that are in the images mm-hmm. there's no pressure at all if the images aren't good then that was just an experience that you had that mm-hmm. day and hopefully yeah. that was the payment <clears throat> you had a good day mm-hmm. um, if you make great images that day then then you have great images and a great experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I think you have to find a, a nice um, balance of that, so when some people don't, because Daisy, don't hit that tripod, my dog. That's okay. She's, she's pretty good about not yeah. touching things. Um, good baby. A lot of people are just commercial photographers and don't mm-hmm. have personal work. Yeah. And they just, but they see that as a more of like a straight up job job. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been shooting now for since I was 19 years old, so I've been right, shooting right. for 30 years okay. already at this age, and mm-hmm. I'm like I'm exhausted, but I'm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not stopping. No, no. So, yeah, you've secured a a, a real. You made a career out of it, like a real little one. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, you know that's that's pretty good though. Um, 
Looks like, I mean, I guess, it looks like you took some early photos of, of Outcast. Outcast. Did you remember? That was a magazine job. Okay, a remix magazine. Yep. Yeah, what was that? That was a magazine, I think it was out of California. It was a music uh-huh. magazine. Uh-huh. And my Text dog, my, my dog drinking water. <laughs> Big um, <little> Daisy. <laughs> she's thirsty. Uh, yeah, I used to shoot for a lot of magazines back in the day when magazines were somewhat profitable. Mm-hmm. And people bought magazines. Yeah, so there was a remix magazine. I think it was out of California. And it was just, you know, they didn't have anybody. Well, they had lots of people probably, but they just used me when there was something in this area. Uh, in the Atlanta, yeah, Athens yeah. area. Mm-hmm. And um, they knew they knew that uh, I live near Atlanta and Outcast mm-hmm. was from Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So they asked me if I would do it. And I was mm-hmm. like, sure. Cool. What was it, I guess, what was it like working with it? Working with them and uh, you know, do you remember? Well, I only, got to, I only got to really, I only got to shoot them that one day. Really, so oh, it was so kind no. of quick. I mean, it was like any job; you just go and do it, and then you're like, "Thank you for your time," and you get out of there. Uh, I see. I but see. it was, I mean, they were super sweet. Yeah. Um, I hadn't. I mean, I don't know how much you know about this, but in the music world, like, you know, when I got out of college, mm-hmm. when like my last year in college, I was working with Michael Stipe. Ah. Okay. So. I kind of had been around musicians mm-hmm. a little bit, mm-hmm. and so there's a little bit of me that was starstruck, but there's mm-hmm. a little bit of me that was, that was, you know, okay, I got to do this job and not mess uh-huh. it up. Right, right. Daisy, Daisy, look out. Come on. Hold on. Go get in your bed. That's okay. That it. She'll come over here if you look at her. So just don't even make eye contact with her. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm like a sucker for dogs anyway. Yeah. So I can't. So working with Michael for mm-hmm. a bunch of years, I kind of, uh, it, it was kind of fun to be around that, and it mm-hmm. had its stresses at times. Mm-hmm. But so when I'm when I was shooting musicians, like I got to shoot um, Everlast. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. He was a musician for a while. So I shot different musicians here and there. But it wasn't kind of it wasn't something that I really wanted to do mm-hmm. on a on a I was I was I wanted to get into more of the gallery world. Yeah, my yeah. personal work needed mm-hmm. to be shown in galleries. I was with Jane Jackson Fine Art mm-hmm. Gallery, long 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 time ago in the early '90s mm-hmm. or mid to late '90s, somewhere around there, and um, I wanted to be in that world. Mm-hmm. So I was just shooting the magazine work to make a living and to make mm-hmm. money. Um, but yeah, they were really sweet. Andre was really sweet. We talked on the phone a lot before the shoot. He was very creative. Uh-huh. Um, we got there. We did the shoot. There was some hanging out time. Mm-hmm. But it was pretty quick. Okay. You know, it was a long time ago. Yeah. It must, it must have been. It looked pretty young. But, yeah. Um, that's when they were kind of hitting there. There was a double album that they uh-huh. put out. Or like two CDs and an album. I don't remember what mm-hmm. it was. But I remember they were telling me about it that day mm-hmm. and then they blew up again like they had already sort of hit fame uh-huh. and then right after I shot them and they were on the cover of that magazine uh-huh. that album came out and then they just it was just Amazing. all over they were blew they blew up I mean they were Amazing. massive huge <laughs> um, but um, I never pursued that line of work no. after really very much no. that one series that, that uh Made an impression on me was your film days series. 
Uh, there's a well. That's just film images from all those years. It's not really a series. Oh well, what? Well, I just named it Film Days because yeah. those are all images on my website that I actually was still shooting film at the time. Like moving. No, no. Oh, oh, I just film. mean film as oh, in still photography film. Old style. Old style. Film. Non-digital. Non-digital. Oh. I don't know why. I, because all those images that mm-hmm. are on there had to be scanned from the mm. negatives. And then I had to print. I had to put them online. Because I had no way to... I had no way to put them on the website unless yeah. I got the negatives scanned. That sort of adds an element of uh, mystique. And uh, that means you had to do it with... You know, a roll of either thirty six or twenty four, and well, I know. shot medium format. What does that mean? What's so that? medium format. Have you noticed there's square images on the website? Yeah. Okay. So I shot something called two and a quarter by two and a quarter. Uh huh. So oh. two and a quarter. It's square format. It's a square image. It's a medium. It's it's a large negative. Okay. And it's um, you only have twelve shots per roll. Oh. Okay. And so depending on which camera, some cameras mm-hmm. you only have tens. Some of you have a little bit more, but it's my camera only had 12 shots okay. per roll. Um, so then it, it, that it's again also it. made things very precious. You yeah. Have, you know, one roll was only 12 pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you got to get it right. But the no. negatives were very large, okay. and so you could blow them up and still have uh, high quality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Smart, smart. But we have a, a great uh, one of, um, what the hell was that? There was, a, there was a, a, a woman with like very electric. Electric eyes, you know, like, like I don't know how yeah, the big eyes, the you know, big, yeah, and, and they, some people just have those eyes, and they glow, and you were able to capture capture that in the photograph. Oh yeah, and Amy, is that her name? Yeah, Amy. I remember her. Amy's, I don't know what Amy's eyes are doing these days. Uh, She's a mom. I yeah. know. I follow her on Facebook. Oh, I know exactly where she is. <laughs> it's been twenty years, and she's a mom of four children, and lives wow. in Maryland. Wow. she's awesome. Cool. There was a, and then there was, I guess some of some of those shots were in Europe or something. And yeah, uh, saw one uh, one I liked was like a little girl or a child with a bunch of pigeons around, and then there's one pigeon swooping in yep. like really close up. I I don't I think that was in Paris. Yeah, I think I used to go to Europe in the. Um, I didn't travel in college. I didn't travel after college. Not until mm-hmm. like 2000, 2000 when I was, I guess almost 30 mm-hmm. I started traveling ah. and um, I had some opportunities to go over to Europe I, I got kind of got hooked on it so every year, every year every other year for about six or seven years I would go to Europe ah, and okay. spend some time walking around Europe walking around France walking around Italy mm-hmm. and I would take my camera and I would just my film cameras or this one film camera the, mm-hmm. the, the one I was talking about earlier mm-hmm. and I would shoot and those are just street, basically like street photography. Like yeah. I was just shooting what was in front of me while I was walking around. Yeah. For, sometimes I would go for two weeks. Sometimes I would go for two months, depending on how much money I had, yeah, yeah. how much I could afford, or how many people's houses they let me stay in. Oh, I see. Yeah, bargain, bargain your own travel. Different, different. Um, I had a couple people in France. One pe- one person in France, and one person in Italy that I that I would go visit, and they uh-huh. would um, they would let me stay in there. Stay in their uh, houses. Let me give her some more water. So, so, yeah. Can you take a quick break? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, that. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. <laughs> at, a certain, at a certain point, you don't want things from the past to necessarily 
dictate or put put a certain perspective on your future. That, that doesn't make sense. No, I know what you mean. You want to you want to talk about the subject, what you're doing currently. And you want right. to be known. For if what it was you're doing five currently. years ago or eight yeah. years ago, yeah, but yeah, it's going yeah, on yeah. eighteen years mm-hmm. ago, nineteen years ago. Okay. That and that when I left working mm-hmm. for Michael, right. and but the seven eight years that I worked for him uh-huh. were amazing years. Okay. I mean, amazing. Yeah, and they yeah. were. They were, it, was, it was the period in time which I was growing as a photographer. Yeah. And, and that's a pretty good gig to be working for a rock star. Yeah, <laughs> and he was an artist. He was yeah. a creative artist. And he so was, you had a lot in common with you to, yeah, yeah, I mean, he was, the art world. He was getting back into photography, mm-hmm. and he wanted to do photography again. And so um, I was shooting, and I was somewhat already learned. I had already learned it all in college, and... And also, he didn't have time to mm-hmm. hand print his own work. Right, right. You know, he didn't have he didn't have the time oh. and the luxury to be able to just to go in a dark room for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I became that. I kind of got known as someone who could actually like. There's people who can take pictures, but they yeah. can't print their pictures. Mm-hmm. And then there's people who can just print pictures and not take pictures. Right, right. And I don't know how snooty this sounds, but there was. I could shoot the pictures mm-hmm. and I could print the pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My technical skills in the darkroom were mm-hmm. good enough. Yeah. So I could actually print pictures in a way that someone would ask me to do it. I learned how he saw. Right. I learned how he wanted his work done. Completely different than the way I would print my own personal work. Oh, okay. I had to switch into a different mode of, okay. of thinking in the darkroom when working on his work. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's a skill. That's a, yeah, it is. That's a th- and I got good at that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was yeah. That was a really great um, learning experience, mm-hmm. and also it was a, it was a job. It gave me. I mean, I worked. I worked other jobs: delivery, mm-hmm. pizza guy, flower mm-hmm. delivery. I was uh-huh. a bartender at the Globe, ah. Happy Hour Globe. Wow. What Bar. years were you at the Globe? Oh God, I think like ninety four to ninety nine. Oh, okay. Six years. All right. All right. Happy Hour, pretty much only. I didn't do nights okay. um, because I would do photography during the day uh-huh. and then go. On the days I was off, and then go bartend. Sling brewskis at the... Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I had to do that. So, he was a job, Mm -hmm. um, and then I was shooting for magazines Mm -hmm. and weddings and portraits and kids and everything. Okay, so let me just um, go go into this a little deeper. You, Michael Stipe, would take photographs, give them to you to process, and... Right, make it. A we finish, usually a had the negatives. Pro- we had the right. negatives processed at uh-huh. a lab. I, okay. didn't, I did not hand process his okay. work um, because of this, the the kind of film that he liked to use. Okay, um, so he would have the film processed at a at, at a professional photo lab, uh-huh. and then uh, remember contact sheets. Yes. The little images yeah, on the sheet. Yeah, yeah. So we'd have contact sheets made of everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then he would select the images on the contact sheets that he wanted me to enlarge wow. and make prints of. Oh, so then I would go in the dark room and enlarge the images yeah. to prints so he could see them. And, oh, that's awesome. And um, we'll do whatever he wanted to do with that's them. That's another thing. I don't know if it's only me, but I think that when I see an image of a contact sheet, it... it it feels like art just because right. it's a contact sheet. A con- like, I don't think anybody, I don't think a single millennial knows what a contact sheet is. <laughs> no. You know, the, you know yeah. 
you have these Absolutely. beautiful I- I- iconic images of a contact sheet mm-hmm. um, all circled and marked yeah, up Marilyn Monroe from a famous yeah, yeah from yeah. a famous <laughs> photographer <laughs> yeah. you know, selecting him his, his image for the cover of Time magazine uh-huh. you know or the Rolling Stones or yeah. you know so yeah contact sheets were were the way you did it mm-hmm. um, but yeah that was a that was a good period of time pretty cool. Oh, you also worked, uh, maybe you currently work for uh, Jim Herbert, a kind of a legendary art professor yeah. in Athens. Photog- He's a filmmaker He's and a painter. filmmaker and painter. Yeah. Yeah, Jim was my, Jim Herbert was my, um, one of my art professors in college. Okay. Drawing and painting professor. Yeah. Um, even, I didn't pursue drawing and painting, but, you know, as a core class, you had to take those mm-hmm. as an art student. Um, yeah, yeah. So I got to know him. And then, um, yeah, he just he became a really, really great mentor of mine. Yeah, I think my brother was was here for a while. I think he mentioned Jim Herbert, and uh, he, he made an impression on a lot of students. Yeah, got, he has a he has a real uh, unique way of teaching. I think and a way of you know he's just really intelligent and really smart and mm-hmm. um, charismatic person. Yeah. When you get to know him and you get engaged in conversations with him, you uh-huh. know. Um, so, yeah, he's kind of like a weird sort of ghost-like legend in this town. Uh-huh. Come, you know, he, um, so yeah, I, I've been, I, I now manage his painting studio. Okay. And take care of his work. He's older now. Yeah. He still lives in New York. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, nine months out of the year. And right. he paints every day still. He's still oh. painting constantly. He's got a studio in New York? He has a studio in New York oh, and man. in Brooklyn. That's pretty cool. So he comes home for like three or four months out of the year uh-huh. and paints down here. I think during the heavy winter months. Uh-huh. And um, and I just take care of things, help him mm-hmm. keep things organized and stuff like that. So yeah. yeah, he's 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 a big influence on me too. Oh man, yeah. I think we we took we took some uh, we took we came and got some paintings of his for the museum uh, one year. I don't know if you remember, but I think it was you. Yeah. Maybe Jeffrey was. Oh no, me and oh yeah, the ones we hang up on that wall, twenty feet up in the air. Yeah, yeah, the... yeah, yeah. We can... oh no, that was at the the Mardad Art School. Yes, well that way, I yeah, I remember I helped Jeffrey with that. But also, we I think we got one or a couple for the museum for a for a couple for a show or something. Yeah. And uh, uh, Jim uh, bought us lunch. I can't remember. It was me and another a couple other people. I can't remember. I'm not sure if I was there on that one. But that was my. I th- you were present because you I were was. helping. I think I saw you helping bring and bring stuff. Probably was there bringing them. That was yeah. a long time ago. That was that was like just helping out. Now mm-hmm. I'm like taking care of everything. Well, okay. Oh. <laughs> so it's pretty crazy. Everything. And we're documenting all his work. That's a project I've been really involved in. Oh my in. soul! Are you photographing them all? I'm photographing all of his work from sixty. 60- 60 years of painting, we have close to 1,200 paintings, and 90, and paintings 90% of them have never been seen or documented, uh-huh. um, except the ones that were in galleries and museums, uh-huh. and, uh, but I'm photographing, because we need to catalog them, mm-hmm. and we need to you know, get them out into the world eventually one day, so I've been in the process now for three years photographing them and cataloging them and you know, uh, taking my time doing it, um, it's, 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 yeah, they're 12, almost 12 feet by 12 feet, <laughs> most of them. There's a, there's a smaller group of them, mm-hmm. which the smaller ones are seven feet by eight feet. Uh, um, 
So they're very large, and then you have to have multiple hands and multiple yeah. people to help. It's not a Mm-mm. a quick job. Not a simple task. So yeah, I worked at the Linden House for a while. I remember hanging one of his paintings, and this one was on a very flimsy stretcher yeah. things. I remember. I kept them lightweight, which I didn't mind them be. I didn't mind that. Part. Yeah. Yeah. So that's a project. I'm almost done with it this spring. I'll probably be done really? shooting. I've done 970 paintings I've shot. Congratulations. And so now I'll finish up the last <laughs> couple hundred, and then I'll spend the rest of the time, you know, I'm going to put together an actual catalog. Uh-huh. And then hopefully um, I'll, I'm going to get him on board to mm-hmm. select enough images from the catalog to maybe do a small book. Yeah, that's um, a great idea. Before, you know... Time runs out. <laughs> yeah. I know it's horrible. It's morbid. It's very morbid. But you know. Uh, well, and I think I saw one of the one of your editorial uh, pieces on on the on the website. Uh, are are Jim's Jim Herbert's paintings in the background? Yes. Okay. <laughs> that was a yeah. That was a magazine fashion shoot that he allowed me to put the the paintings in the uh-huh. background out of focus. Yeah, that's sort of like, good. like yeah, color yeah. and structure behind the. Behind the the, the the models. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. What was it like shooting that with, you know, with, you know... There's a lingerie shoot. He's lingerie, okay. Yeah, the magazine came to me and asked me to do that. Okay. That wasn't really my choice. No. Um, I said, sure. Yeah. And then I came up with the concept of uh, the girls in the box. It's a... Pla- it's like a... It's a... They're inside of a box. Yeah, some kind of... Yeah, I didn't quite make that out with... It's a clear box. Uh-huh. Okay. And their legs are kind of photoshopped out, so it looks like a torso in a box. Okay. And the box is sort of floating in space. All right. And um, in the background is these out-of-focus color yeah. images. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And if you look at the paintings behind it, you can actually see figurative sort mm-hmm. of um, work. Herbert's work in the last 10 years has gone to a very erotic Oh, nature it has, it has oh, okay. a lot of a lot of sensual figures in it, nudes and things like that. Yeah. And so I had to crop it in a certain way so it, you couldn't see a, a actual body part over the girl's shoulder because oh, okay. it would be, nice. you know, it was in a in a major magazine. They didn't want that, right? So it was right. a little tricky, but the con- they they said they wanted the the lingerie shoot, and I said okay if I get to come up with the concept. Mm-hmm. So. Ah, I came up with the, the the clear box. Yeah, you made it a lot more like art then. Yeah, I'd hope so. Yeah, I kind of yeah. hope so. And it was all shot in camera. It actually was. The girl was actually standing in a in a clear box with okay. the painting behind them. Uh-huh. And I think it was about 100 degrees that day in the studio. Oh, so we were all like passing out from heat exhaustion. Oh, crap. <laughs> and um, it was a it was a massive labor. Yeah. So you you but you, again you're working and you're coordinating with a group of people. Is it hard to maintain focus, or is ever, have you ever been in a situation where someone's kind of like not being professional and you you know? Not often. To, no. I got pretty lucky, I think. Yeah. The magazine. Well, you mean that magazine or just in general? Just in general, I guess. I don't know. Like. Mm, I don't. I've just. I've been pretty lucky. I think I, I've just steered clear of. Mm-hmm. You know the really really bad situations. Mm-hmm. Um, you run into problems on the day of the shoot, and right. some people don't want to participate. But mm-hmm. my my job is to make the image, and so yeah. I don't really care what's going on uh-huh. behind me. Right. I just care what the the model and me and the the usually the the 
especially for editorials, mm -hmm. the only people you really need to deal with is the model, the stylist, and the hair and makeup people. Uh -huh. And you just have to get everybody need to be on the same page. Uh -huh. And um, so I, I've just and I used to have a team of people that I would pull from Atlanta, and uh -huh. there were people that I worked with multiple times. Uh -huh. And so we had really great working relationships, and I trusted them. And there was a really wonderful makeup artist in Atlanta, and I worked with her multiple, multiple times. Mm. And so when she showed up on set, I knew she was going to be professional. Uh, I knew she was going to be amazing at her job, and that yeah. the, the, the makeup and the hair was going to look awesome. Uh -huh. I'd give her some direction. I'd show her some images of kind of what I what I was thinking, mm -hmm. and she would just do it. And, of course, if I, I needed a little tweet and a little fine-tuning, they would... They would tune, you know, tweak something for me. But yeah, if you ever worked with someone, if you ever worked with someone and they were just too much drama or mm -hmm. too much, or they flaked and didn't show up, yeah, or were two hours late, then mm -hmm. you just never worked with them again. Right. You right. just said sorry. That's it. Didn't it? Didn't yeah. work out. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. But that was that was the the magazine days of editorials, and that was stressful because it was stressful only because you had to create an image. It wasn't just me and my camera and the person. It was a team of people. Yeah. And you were just hoping everybody pulled their weight that day. Yeah. That the, when the stylist showed up, she brought all the right clothes. And uh -huh. she brought the things that she said she was going to bring. And the hair and makeup person showed up. So you just, you know, you just made sure you had a good team of people. Build it, yeah. I've heard, that's, I've heard that before. You build the right team and then just carry yeah. on. Yeah. 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 Oh, talk a little bit about uh, Crossbones. Oh, that little series on the website. Yeah, because um, they that was a, that was that was just sort of like a fluke. Uh huh. That's fairly recent. Uh, a couple years. I think ago. I recognize yeah one of your models. A couple years ago, that was actually the reason I call it Crossbones is that they were all shot at a skateboard event. Oh. And so Crossbones is an old skateboard term from skateboarding. Okay. Um, a, a logo, a brand of skateboarding, oh, Crossbones. Right. Yeah. Um, Pal Peralta, because I skateboarded and surfed growing up, so I named it Crossbones, just uh -huh. as sort of like a, I wouldn't say an inside thing, but no, they were all shot at a skateboard event. I see. That explains why some of them looked like they probably were skaters. Yeah, they were a lot of them were skaters, and some yeah. of them were just the people who were there watching. Uh, okay. So I set up a photo booth uh -huh. that day and just was asked, could you guys pose for a portrait? Yeah. They, that's they, why it all, they all have the white background. They're all the same. Oh, uh, okay. Because they were all shot within that one day. Okay. Like, I think I did like 20, 20 or 30 people that day. And mm -hmm. I think I, only, I don't have everybody on the website. And yeah, I don't think there's that many on that. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty impressive uh, portraits. Uh, you know, it's a nice, it's a, I guess it's kind of a peculiar, a not un kind of an uncommon composition with just the head and shoulders and most of the abdomen. The torso. You yeah. know. Well, it's kind of like little Richard Avedon sort of uh, rip-off okay. with the white background and, okay. and just, just a portrait of a no-smiling, just yeah. straight look in the face mm -hmm. of his... I guess he did a lot of stuff out west, yeah. uh, and it was just a white background, and it was, you know, cowboys, mm -hmm. you know. Yes, that's... Okay. So Richard Avedon, I, I people can say, yeah. like, oh, that's very Avedon, and I think yeah. that's what they're referring to is this mm -hmm. sort of style of just... Straightforward okay. portrait with a white background. Sometimes black, I think. I'm not mm -hmm. sure. I'd have to go and research it some more. But in my memory of like what I saw in the past of his work, it's like, oh yeah, that's yeah. that's his style. Like if you certain photographers, you say, oh, that's very Avedon, or that's mm -hmm. very uh, 
I don't know. I don't know. I can't remember. I know. Yeah, they do it to painters also. You know. Yeah, that's very. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and and that is. But I do. I do remember a famous series from. I guess now that we're talking, it's easy to set up. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the thing is that's what makes. I mean. Black and white simplifies it just because it's black and white. But then, when you simplify the background, then you you can focus in just on your on, image, yeah. you know. And it, it just, like trying to capture that personality of that yeah. in each individual. Exactly, and the simplifying of whatever's in the background, it just helps. It makes what you're looking at matter, you know. Like I no distractions, no distractions. Yeah, exactly. just yeah. just that person in there. You exactly. know. Do you have any? You still painting? Huh? I I still have a studio and a okay. lot of paintings. And I intend to get back painting again, but it's it's not heat it's not heated in the winter or no. conditioned in the summer. So I and I've got so many other things I'm doing, and I've you know I've had this full time job at the museum for almost 15 years. Oh wow! Which that's a long yeah, and it takes. I mean, I'm so happy to have a actual job that yeah. you know, but Stability. it does take a lot of time away from. Making art, you know. So now you're a podcast guy. <laughs> now a podcast guy, and I, I get into this. I really love doing this. No, this so, is awesome. Yeah, and uh, so I'll, I'll be. I'm addicted to podcasts now. Yeah, <laughs> See, yeah, and so are a lot of the people I talk to. I'm a, I'm a freak for podcasts. I just I didn't like. Think I, I would stop listening to them so that I can work on this one. That's true. It's like I I, I don't I, ever turn the radio on anymore. Really, or listen to music. I <laughs> I just find interesting conversations. Mm-hmm. From people that I think I would be interested in, like you know, yeah. we've talked about this before. You know, mm-hmm. like the Joe Rogan one, of course, is oh yeah, very popular. But it's really cool to listen to him talk to a you know Harvard trained neuroscientist mm-hmm. for two hours, and yeah. I'll just I just I didn't I didn't and Joe I, sort of holds his own intellectually with yeah, whoever he's talking he's, to. Yeah, he's extremely. Yeah. He's learned a lot of all these guests, and he's intelligent. <laughs> and I remember when podcasts that whole things started mm-hmm. and I just was I never listened to one mm-hmm. like I know this, this sounds pretty naive but literally just mm-hmm. in the last year did I start listening mm-hmm. to podcasts that's probably true for me too my, uh, my wife mentioned uh, Pod Save America which yeah. is a great political podcast from, from uh, Crooked Media and then uh, she also found one the conversation, which is an art world podcast. Oh, like I don't a, know that one. Yeah, yeah uh, what's his, Michael Shaw is his name. Okay, and uh, it's he gets a lot of interesting people on it, you know. Uh, and then, then I, uh, then oh, oh then it's this is Mark Maron. And, soon, and then I discovered I must have discovered Mark Maron way before these guys. But when when I finally agreed to listen to another podcast, it was Pod Save America, and then I right. couldn't stop. I couldn't. Then I was. Then I took off, and then they would have, have introduced me to new people who also had their podcasts. There's a lot and, of them. Yeah. Then I. Yeah. And now I've got like. I subscribe to podcasts that I don't even listen to now. Right. I can see how it becomes. You just have to pick your two or three favorites yeah. because there's so many and so mm-hmm. many people doing them. I'm. I'm mm-hmm. just learning that now that I'm. I don't even <laughs> want to go down that road of, of of hearing other people talk. I'm like, I'll just I'll just stick with my two or three favorite guys. It's, it's almost too much. Like now, when I take the earbuds out, I'm like, oh, that's a relief. I'll just not listen to anything. How nice is that? You know, it's, but but like I was saying earlier, like I'll wake up in the morning. I get up early before work usually, like a couple hours. So I have time to work wow. on my own personal projects. However, I'll start a podcast 
And uh, then I'll get confused because I know I was going to go to the computer and edit my own podcast, you know. Right. So you, <laughs> so I like you, turn, so. you have to switch over your podcast mind, your yeah. listening mind, and your your creative mind. Exactly. So I need to like exercise some uh, some discipline of some sort. <laughs> but uh, have the limited in it. Oh, oh yeah, cool. What's your what's your plans for the future? <laughs> the, the end. The end. <laughs> what are you gonna do before you? Do? No. No. I mean, let me just wrap this up. Wrap. Yeah. No. <laughs> no. You know, I um, I knew there were there was more things I wanted to talk about. Let's oh, see. Oh, I want to ask about this shot. There were there was a the picture. There was a. a I'm gonna keep taking pictures. That's all I can yeah. say. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good. No. Good. Good. Good plan. No. I, I, I I I encourage that. Oh, you did a a, a shot with a horse in it, and the, how was it? What was it like? That was an editorial. Yeah. The girl in the red dress. Yeah. And then there, she's like sitting on the, and then there's on the a ground. Quill, a bow and arrow. Yeah. That was an editorial. That was a fashion shoot. Okay. That wasn't personal work. That yeah. Was, oh, I knew. I knew. Yeah. But what, what? But still, there was a horse there. And how did that? What was the process of getting the horse to cooperate? And you know what? We had a horse. We handler? went to a professional. We went to a real ranch uh-huh. uh, in Atlanta. A horse barn. Uh-huh. Or I'm not sure what you want to call it. The stylist got the girl and the professional model, put her in the clothes. I selected the area. Mm-hmm. I put the girl in the shot, and then we walked the horse in. Oh. And um, the, there was a trainer there controlling mm-hmm. the horse. Mm-hmm. And they selected a horse that was going to be workable. Easy going. Yeah. Easy going and not freak out and step on the girl. Yeah. Or, <laughs> right. you know, not going to hurt anybody. Uh-huh. Um, and I think we did. I think we did seven or... It was eight or nine shots that day, and mm-hmm. only I think three or four had the horse in it. Mm-hmm. The rest were were just the model by herself in different outfits. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, yeah, I never worked with a horse in a photograph. And there was no flashings, there was no strobes, there was no equipment. It was all natural light. Uh, so I, I knew I didn't want to freak the horse out yeah. with a big equipment. Yeah. I had the crew stand back away. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was just me and the model. You know, real subtle movements. Don't freak out. Don't because they're skittish. Yeah. Horses yeah. are. Horses are, which I've learned recently, that they're they're um, they're animals of prey. They're they're hunted, so mm-hmm. that's why they're they 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 scatter so quickly and they yeah. they're a little jumpy. They have to be smart because yeah, they're they they're they're looking yeah. for that that lion mm-hmm. and that tiger over their mm-hmm. shoulder. It was a really sweet horse, yeah. And um, I kind of cheated in that photograph a little bit. You did, yeah. The uh, I, I photoshopped the uh, there's a a rope coming off of the 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 horse's. I don't know, like not reins. Oh, the, uh, it's like more like a headgear mm-hmm. that holds that you control the horse with. There was a rope coming off of that, mm-hmm. and it went down to the ground, mm-hmm. and it was sitting near the model. So in case someone had to grab the rope, I see to control the horse. Right, right. Um, so I took that out. Yeah, and so it looks more natural, like mm-hmm. just the like horse just standing there, out. hanging yeah. out together <laughs> with them. <laughs> that was a that was a um, you know executive decision I got to mm-hmm. make. And I'll just Photoshop that. Yeah, rope out. It's probably a good call. You know, it's probably for yeah. The magazine. Would you recommend? That was a fun show. Would you recommend? Uh, uh, what would you? I know. Here's what would you say to young, budding photographers that might want to get into the field? <laughs> What's your advice? That's my advice. Yeah. It changed. Probably mm-hmm. ten years ago, I would say something different than I say now. Mm-hmm. Mostly because. The medium has changed so much with digital, mm-hmm. and even to the point now where it's just iPhone photos everywhere. It's yeah. it's 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 a whole nother beast. 
totally and so different. someone coming into it now, I would tell them the same, I guess the same core thing I would tell someone 10 years ago, just keep shooting, mm-hmm. shoot a lot, do things that are personal, just keep practicing, like yeah. anything, just like yeah. anything, just keep practicing. Um, the reason I say 10 years ago would be different is because the, 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 the curve of, of learning mm-hmm. is so different because the, the image is so automatic and so instantaneously given to you uh-huh. that you can make new adjustments and new, new decisions. Whereas yeah. in the old days, you had to wait. Mm-hmm. You had to process it. You had to print it. You had to see it. Yeah. Um, so the learning curve, the learning curve, that's what I want to call it. Mm-hmm. The learning curve is so quick now. So someone can go out with no money and take a thousand pictures on their phone or on their cheap or decent size, you know, mm-hmm. DSLR. Mm-hmm. In the old days, you had to have money, you had to have time, you had to have the, the materials. It was a whole different process. Yeah, yeah. So what would take most people a year of shooting, mm-hmm. I, they, it's like they can do it in two, three months now. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So and they do, they do. Yeah, and they post everything. Everything has to be seen. Everything has to be posted. Yeah. So it's a whole thing that I'm not real. I mean, I'm on social media. Yeah. And I'm, like most people, a little bit seduced by it. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm kind of fighting it. Right, right. Oh, it's such a nice break to, for some reason, skip a day of social media. Yeah. And you don't even know why you feel so uh, calm and placid. <laughs> you know. That's true. You know. But just keep shooting. Yeah. Do things. Do make things. Make art. That, make art. Do things that matter to you. Make it yeah. personal. Yeah. Um, and then some people just I don't know if they'll ever have the capacity to do that. Mm-hmm. Some people do. There's some people who have just natural. There's a few. There's a few people in Athens that I've actually gotten to be known. I mean, I've befriended and become uh-huh. friends with, and I saw their work on Instagram. Uh huh. And it was. It was like I could tell that they had an eye. Uh-huh. Just from whatever they were doing. I don't know if they were using their phone or if they were using a real camera mm-hmm. to take the images. But there's a couple people. And in a, in a weird way, it it made me... What's the word? Um, it encouraged me that that still was out there. That someone could take pictures and they had a natural eye. They yeah. were a young photographer. They hadn't been doing it very long. But they understood composition. They understood light. Mm-hmm. They understood the sort of these little finesse intricacies of... Of taking a photograph, yeah, um, yeah. they selected the right images. They mm-hmm. posted the right images. There was something about it that was just really good. Mm-hmm. And it, in a way, I was jealous. I was like, mm-hmm. "Wow, that's really good." <laughs> right. And I became friends with these people, mm-hmm. and I was like, "You know, you're really good." <laughs> I don't know how long you've been doing this, but you have you have some talent. Oh, if man. whatever that word talent really is, right, um, right. So. But seeing that there's, what, like a billion photographs taken every day on the planet? That is on It's like, planet. how do you really know? How do you, how do you know what's special anymore? Right. Yeah, yeah. As, and and I'm, I'm actually dealing with that mm-hmm. a lot now. Like, where do I fall in? Are my images just... Like, before you were a fish in a pond, now you're a minnow in a in the, ocean yeah. of... Yeah. of <laughs> Of triple, quadruple oceans. You know, yeah. Now you're a, you're you're not even a, a minnow. You're a a, um, a bacteria. Yeah. <laughs> you're <is>. even smaller. <laughs> you're an amoeba. You're an amoeba. You're yeah. one cell organism <laughs> in a giant, giant, massive ocean. Um, so it's it's yeah. That's a good. That's kind of a good argument for just freaking joining a monastery and. 
<laughs> just, <laughs> just never. Yeah, you just have to take the pictures and mm-hmm. and and. Well, what I'm battling now, is, yeah. uh, and I wouldn't say battling. I'm um, going back to my roots of just mm-hmm. taking pictures and and not worrying about if they're ever seen or if they're ever really, uh, you know, how many likes I get or not likes I get. Yeah. Just take them for the experience of taking them again. Going back to those days where it was all about, like my new body of work mm-hmm. that I'm just. Have, well, not new, but I've been working on about two, three years now. This black and white portraiture. Yeah, it's that's called. Nice. You don't know what it feels like. Yeah, yeah. That series. Some of those. That yeah. series has been going on for two years now, mm-hmm. and um, and I've shown it in different places, and it's been in some. You know, it's it it just won an award for a contest recently this past fall. I'm trying to send it out right now mm-hmm. to maybe some grant proposals yeah, yeah. so I can continue the series, maybe get a grant to, to expand the series, oh, um, yeah. maybe turn it into a book one day. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, but go, but that's the personal work that has no no restrictions of or any pressure of like a client or mm-hmm. being paid or you just go out and make the pictures and hope for the best. Yeah, um, yeah. But you going out and, and having that experience again mm-hmm. of photographing and spending some time with a person, and mm-hmm. like in the sense of what you're doing, you're getting to know a person. You're spending yeah. time. You're interacting with them. Mm-hmm. You're, it's just not a fleeting right. millisecond yeah, of yeah, your yeah. day. The, the the wonderful people who have been part of my series so far, I mean, I, I feel like I've gotten really good uh, response from all of them. And like this, I'll spend up to two hours, three hours with a person uh-huh. to create an image. Right. It's right. not a so it's not a quick selfie or no, a quick little yeah snapshot. No, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's 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 it needs time, mm-hmm. and that's really um, that feels really good to go back to that process because that's the way it used to be. The picture you said you liked with the girl with the large eyes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Amy, yeah. Amy, yeah. That was film days. Uh-huh. That was the process I did back then. That was twenty years ago, nineteen ninety six. Uh-huh. Ninety-seven. Okay. And that's what we did. We drove around and we looked for we looked for spots to photograph and uh-huh. we talked and, mm-hmm. and and got to know each other as human beings. Right. And right. Um, it, in that photograph that she, you've seen of her, it's on the website. Um, she has a she has a white cloth wrapped around her chest. Right. And she's clutching it with her hands. Mm-hmm. Well, that was a piece of like almost like a a piece of veil, a bridal veil. Uh huh. And it was we found it on the side of the road, really, in on the country on an old dirt road we were driving oh, down. And I said, "What is that?" And it was clean. It was just like it had flown out of someone's window. Someone just got married and, and, and threw, threw it, it out one. the window. It was laying on the side. It was like you know stuck on some some twigs. Uh-huh. And we stopped and we picked it up and we wrapped it around her and mm-hmm. and it was a nice contrast with the skin and it wasn't mm-hmm. planned and it wasn't set up. It was mm-hmm. spontaneous and it was organic and it just happened. It came from nowhere, uh-huh. and we made this, you know, really wonderful image of her. And that actually, that image was in American Photo back then. That was a magazine back in the day that all of us photographers really liked. It was called American Photo. Right. Okay. Um, but that's a fun process of just going out and having an adventure for the for a couple yeah. hours and making something that, you know, is just unknown or unseen yet. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, and I think there's still people who do that. I mean, there's a lot of people who still do yeah, that. Yeah, but yeah, they do it. But yeah, that's that's. I don't know. It just makes me want to sit and uh, ponder quietly. <laughs> yeah, that's that. Uh, that's just a little bit. I don't know. If, I think when people look at the photographs, I don't know if they'll ever realize that that much goes into 
that it's that of that's it's that involved. Yeah, no, that's of, yeah. That, that there's two mm-hmm. hours, they three won't. hours of yeah. of um, exploring and looking for locations mm-hmm. and you know fi- actually finding the light right, the light right, the light r- right light, the right light, the right light. <laughs> because I, think, yeah. I don't take any lights with me. I don't mm-hmm. take. I don't set up any any equipment, mm-hmm. and so I have to find just the exact right little pocket of light to put them in to get the right I see. look. Yeah, yeah. And depending on the day, some days it's easy to find that little special spot, uh-huh. and some days it's a it's a nightmare. You can't find it. It's yeah. just not doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. That is a challenge to rely on natural light. Yeah, I'm that. glad you had like a professional photographer's uh, setup right oh, here, in the, the light here yeah. in your apartment. So that that makes my uh, that makes me look better. <laughs> Ian, what did I forget to ask you about? I don't know. Uh, covered. What am I gonna do? Just keep taking pictures. Keep taking pictures. I got Thank a couple. You. I got a couple more years in me. No, you got probably. <laughs> 50 well, this was fun. I really sure appreciate was. it. Yeah, it was, it was nice. It was nice talking to you. Nice talking to you too. I'll do a selfie with you. Oh, sweet. That's it. Cheese. Our little old man glasses. Oh yeah, like. I like how you wear one on top of your head, one here. They're two oh, separate. It's pathetic. Yeah, they're both reading glasses. These I can actually read with now. Well, I have bifocals now. Ah. Uh-huh. And so these are my daily wear. But when I want to work on the computer, I switch out to my bifocals. Okay. Because I can't read the computer screen very well without. <laughs> I'm gonna have to see an eye doctor because I I use these. They were pretty much my old reading glasses for driving and just looking around. Yeah. But if the print's too small, then I can't read with them. So I need these. So I'm I'm a I'm a goofball. I, you know. So I have. You can pull off the little chain and have one. I know. That's what I should do. You're right. It's your style. I like it. Definitely need them. I actually looked for one of those and couldn't find one that that suited. That got your got yeah. And if you like Limited Perspective, please find us uh, wherever you listen to your podcast and subscribe. And if you're interested in doing more, why don't you go on over to Apple Podcast and rate and review my podcast. I would really appreciate it. Thanks so much. See you next time on Limited Perspective.